0: Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneurs, and academics. And today we have with us on the show, uh, Elizabeth Ploof. She is the founder of Spiro Careers Canada. And we also have uh, Paulette uh, Goddard. She is the advisor at uh, Spiro Careers Canada. Uh, Hi, Elizabeth and Paulette. How are you? Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Salman. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, you're excited. <laughs> <So is> Paula. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We won't
0: have to <laughs> spray her paint. All right. <laughs> all right. So we'll start by talking about your background. We'll start with Elizabeth. Uh, can you tell us about your professional and personal background?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so my background is kind of mixed. Um, predom- my longest career was in healthcare So I was a medical office manager for 10 years, and then I taught the medical office management program for two years, and really loved working in medicine, really loved working in healthcare, worked across respirology, cardiology, family practice, what have you, um, and gained a lot of valuable knowledge, which was awesome, um, except for the fact that as a medical office manager, you can't really go too high, Um, and I get bored really fast, so... (laughs) Loved that career. Uh, Transitioned into working in not-for-profit and I worked for Girl Guides of Canada for four and a half years um, as a unit administrator. So I took care of seven to eight hundred girls and anywhere from 100 to 120 units and was their primary contact around a variety of things. And then decided that was kind of crazy and went back to school for the third time and got my postgraduate in corporate communications. And then, actually, uh, my first job out of college was working for Halltech next door. And I was their events and communications manager for about a year and a half, which was great. Um, And then transitioned out of that into becoming an entrepreneur. So, professionally, I've had quite a mixed bag of tricks, a lot of retail, a lot of restaurant work. Loved being a waitress. um, Loved being of service, so that certainly solved that need in me. Um, personally, I have two kids, great husband, pretty good all around, love dogs, not a fan of cats. I don't know if that's important. <laughs> um, and so we had this, uh, we had this baby boy and he arrived in the world and we thought everything was just peachy keen and started going to preschool and we started getting some, uh, questions from the preschool teacher about certain behaviors that we hadn't noticed were any real issue. Uh, and they brought to our attention that some of them were indicative of potentially a bigger problem. So i like, all right. So we started doing assessments and we started connecting to a variety of services um, within Halton region, which was fantastic. And we ended up taking uh, my son for a hearing assessment because the school was convinced that he wasn't hearing them because he wasn't achieving certain milestones for them and then I could get him to do it so there was a disconnect between what he should be doing in school and what he was doing at home and they perceived that uh, as a hearing issue unfortunately that's not the case (laughs) and turns out my son has excellent hearing Um, it was during another appointment that they were trying to get him to do a particular task in order to assess a certain issue and he was really focused on doing something else and so at the end of that appointment the speech pathologist brought me in and she said so you ever heard of something called Asperger's syndrome? I'm like nope but I'm about to Uh, and he was five and that's when we sort of started on the journey of figuring out what was going on was this an autism diagnosis was this something else Um, and he was formally diagnosed when he was seven as having asperger's syndrome which is on the autism spectrum it has its own little spectrum within a spectrum Um, and then when he was nine he was formally diagnosed with a learning disability um, and add much like his mother Um, so we have a, a multifaceted Little fella, dealing with a variety of sensory processing issues, sweet, funny, trying to do his best, very helpful, whatever. Uh, And Asperger's was sort of oh, that's for you. The last thing I ever kind of expected. We we had not seen anything within our family that would ever indicate that that was an issue. Dyslexia we knew because my husband was dyslexic, so we knew one of the kids. Never saw. Asperger's coming. So that was the personal connection to um, why we're on this journey right now. Okay. That's I know. Interesting. Not a short answer.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, Paulette, can you tell us about your uh, professional and personal background?
2: Well, uh, professionally, I've been working with people who have special needs or are uh, on the autism spectrum for my entire career. So that's a very long career, over 40 years. Um, I have... For the last 7 to 10 years, been primarily working with adults, gain, helping them and assisting them to gain employment, uh, helping them learn life skills, helping them move out into the uh, community so that they can be independent. So it's a totally different facet of, of work, working with adults. I did for years work with young children and teenagers. I've done the whole gamut, but working with adults has been my primary focus recently. And much like Elizabeth, I do have a son who has Asperger's syndrome. Uh, He is 34 years old now, and he lives in Chicago, he's married, he's extremely happy. But the trials and tribulations of raising a child who's on the autism spectrum is uh, something that we do have in common. Mm -hmm. So
1: so my son's going to be 22, Mm -hmm. so it's that transitioning into, I think Paulette would agree that handling it Mm -hmm. as a kid, Mm -hmm. manageable. It's when they sort of hit that 18 mark and you are anticipating certain milestones and, you know, going off to university or transitioning somehow or whatever, and it just doesn't, they they just don't seem to be able to take off. You get a ton of support when your kid's under the age of 18. This was the other impetus for what I'm doing now. And it seems as though as soon as somebody hits the age of 18 in the autism community within Ontario, at least, um, and I'm discovering across Canada, that they kind of fall off a cliff. And all services are taken away. Uh, It's really, unless you are, actually I'll, 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 I'll change that a bit. There are a variety of levels, which we talked about yesterday, within the autism spectrum. So if you meet somebody on the spectrum, you know exactly one person on the spectrum. And the next person you meet will present completely differently than the person that you met the day before. So yes, there are some key characteristics that can carry across people, but they all present differently and what have you. So for people who are more profoundly affected by autism, there's definitely still, I think, a a good amount of access to support services. For people like our sons, um, because they would be considered high functioning, which I know can be a controversial term, that's where the cliff happens. Because you should be able to manage it. You should be okay. You should be able to navigate neurotypical services. And that's not the case. So that's one of the main reasons that that Spiro and, and the platform Nanoworks has come to be, is to help that group that just seem to fall off that cliff mm-hmm. and, and don't get the help that they need.
0: So can you tell us about the different... Uh products or solutions that you will be offering through uh, Spiro Careers?
1: So the platform that we've created um, is called NanoWorks, and that came out of uh, about a year and a half of, uh, so I volunteer with the Autism Job Club, which is a locally based organization run by Marilyn Ellis, and she started this um, based on a book written from the US. And the Autism Job Club provides support twice a month to people in the autism community, to come out and have an opportunity to network, make connections with other people on the spectrum. We teach them job skills. Paulette delivers workshops. I deliver sessions. Marilyn delivers sessions. And it was through a project that Marilyn had begun about creating a... Have you ever taken a... It's one of those evaluations where it tells you what a good job would be for your personality based on your answers. You ever done one of those?
0: I might have a while ago.
1: Well, everybody's done one, I think, at some point, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you're like, really? Horse trainer? Ah, mm?" You know, or lion tamer, or like, I never got that, but they're not really built to take in anybody who has neurological differences. They're not built to take anybody who has mental health issues. And a lot of people on the spectrum, again, you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism have a co-diagnosis of either anxiety or OCD or Paulette can speak to that much better than I can mm-hmm. around the various diagnoses. There are no tools out there right now, right? So I, here you go through it and I think it's grade eight mm-hmm. where they try and do that assessment of your skills and abilities. Does not take anybody into an account who has a learning disability or anything like that. Marilyn was trying to fix that. She was trying to create a tool that would take those things into account. And it was one thing after another, um, plus my experience in working for Hall Tech and the excellent community they have of entrepreneurs and my connections to Silicon Halton, which is another amazing organization we're actually working with now on something, that I started thinking, okay, there's a way to put these pieces together and there's a way to create a bridge so that the autism community doesn't have to rely on the neurotypical face-to-face intensive coaching model and doesn't have to fail out of a model that wasn't built for them. So the platform uh, incorporates a number of custom elements, one of which is e-learning that we are creating. So I am thank God for Paulette because she's the, the brains behind a lot of the e-learning topics and what have you. We have a resume builder. We have a video profile tool that we're creating. We have a number of other things that are going to allow people on the spectrum to connect with autism specific employment coaches like Paulette. And they're going to, if they run into a problem where they can't make their meeting, the coach can say, Okay, I get that. Everybody has a bad day. I mean, I'm sure there are days where you don't want to go into the office. They can't hear nodding. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I almost forgot.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's true. Right? Or you
1: have have something, you know, life-altering come up or something gets in the way. And right now, people on the spectrum, and I would say neurotypical people as well, there's not a place where they can go and continue that training until, you know, whatever's going on is resolved. And they can continue the face to face. So we're not looking to replace the face to face because it's a it's a crucial aspect to personal development and skill development. But we are looking to create a more successful program um, where you know the coaches don't have to feel like they're failing somebody. And how do I reach them? And how do I keep them going? Because that person's progress. I've you know I've watched Paulette with her clients, and she's incredibly invested in their success and it takes an emotional toll when you you can't give them what they need i've watched her navigate and and try and find solutions and reach out and, and all those things and this tool is going to make it easier for her to do that and it's going to make it easier for her to reach more people we have a huge number of people in the autism community who are geographically barriered from accessing services because trying to get autism services is is rough on a good day imagine living in thunder bay Hmm. imagine living in northern saskatchewan or northern bc or you know anywhere north of our didn't see that either i know anywhere north of our uh, (laughs) our more densely populated areas
0: yeah right so that's definitely true um one thing i definitely want to touch on is what kind of challenges do you think people with uh, mental health challenges or autism or asperger's syndrome face when they're trying to join the workforce
2: well that's huge because start it, it's very <laughs> huge because one of the primary features of autism is social interaction challenges mm-hmm. if you cannot interact socially with someone how can you pass a job interview yeah right so you think about it you can't answer the question. As soon as somebody asks, asks a question, your anxiety flares up and you're freeze and you're not allowed to say anything because it just won't come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. You have to get sprayed. <laughs> then you have to get sprayed. But then you have to understand that these people cannot go through the traditional job routes to get a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need to go in a back door. They need to do something different. They need major accommodations mm-hmm. in interviews. They need major support in interviews, let alone on the job. And this, you know, I'm primarily talking about people with, autism, but when you pair autism and anxiety together, you've got a double whammy there where they need extra support. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. I've gone to many, many job interviews with my clients just to be that emotional support person for them while they're sitting there being interviewed and to help them answer some of the questions more appropriately. It, it's quite challenging.
0: So how do employers react if a person showed up with a coach like yourself? A job applicant shows up with a coach. And it's not very really common for them to see that. And, no, it's not. And it how, also
2: depends on how they got the interview, though.
0: And and how they perceive that.
2: Most of the clients I work with, they get the interview because they've done the traditional route of applying for jobs online. So I teach them how to do it appropriately, the way everybody else does it. When I show up for the job interview, I usually try and give the manager a heads up that I'm, you know, he's coming in with somebody. Um, how do they respond? Ninety-nine percent of the time, they go, "Great, come on in, have a seat." I explain that I'm there to observe my client and critique his interview skills, and I'm hoping that he can have a successful interview. I'm not there to demand that he get a job. I'm not there to demand he's going to be hired. I'm there just for my client, and it works extremely well. I've walked into job interviews. The client has done all the talking. I'm just sitting there note-taking, and the client's been offered the job before we leave. I've I've been to other ones. Where you know, as soon as you sit down and say you're a job coach, they're not even going to consider hiring that person. Which you wouldn't want to be involved in that culture anyway. Yeah. If they're that. So,
1: one of the points I made, I had to, I got the opportunity last year through, I'm also a client of Innovation Factory. That's where I began, so thank you, Innovation Factory. And they gave me an opportunity to pitch, um, and they're, I can't remember the name of the pitch contest. Um, But my opening was how many people here need to network right so everybody's obviously there to network so they all put up their hands okay how did you learn to do that and you could just see everybody they almost sat back a little bit because you never if you don't have any challenges to navigating a social situation you just pick up the skills Mm -hmm. and I said so imagine that you can't network and imagine that every tool to teach you how to network is not built for you or doesn't exist. So if you can't network, I mean, I don't, I've gotten jobs through networking before. Have you gotten jobs through networking? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yes, I have. Yeah, Paula? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So imagine you can't network. You can't really, you know, um, instinctively manage a job interview. How do you get a job? How do you support yourself? How do you find a place to live? How do you feed yourself? How do you do any of the things we all take for granted? Mm -hmm. Because I would say that most of us learned how to network by networking, Mm -hmm. right? By necessity, right? So at college, you you start networking in college, right? I mean, I actually took one of my, my first kick at the college can was travel and tourism. So I was going to be a flight attendant, (laughs) When we got to the class on how to um, arrest and detain passengers on the plane, I was like, oh, (laughs) not doing that. Wow. But one of the courses we took was in presentation and how to give a good presentation and small things like how to do a good handshake, how to do things like when you're talking to somebody, look them in the eye because that conveys trust and that conveys likability and all of those things. What happens if you can't do that? What do you do then? Mm -hmm. It then sets up this atrocious system of becoming dependent on underfunded government programs, which penalize people for earning too much money. It then sets you up in a dependent situation on your parents, which they never anticipated. It sets you up in potentially having to depend on brothers and sisters once parents are no longer around. And you're constantly scrounging and accessing services and living below the poverty line because there are no tools there to teach you what
2: 90% of the population. And, And just to add to that, most of the people that Elizabeth's talking about are university graduates. Yes! So they have degrees or master's degrees. One lady I worked with had a PhD. And she was working at a children's clothing store because she could not navigate what she needed to navigate to get into her career field. It was just not possible socially. Yeah. So, these are the challenges they face on a daily basis.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you said, like if, if an applicant goes with the coach, some of the employers, potential employers, may not be very open, res- open or receptive to that. Absolutely. Because they may see, the, see that as a weakness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how's this person going to, for example, navigate meetings or presentations? Is he going to bring a coach every time there is something like maybe they're going through these questions in your mind and, and 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 if 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 they can easily get an applicant who seems socially savvy, mm-hmm. which I guess a lot of people are, yeah. why would they not just go with that person and you know it's, it's,
1: there's a massive talent pool that exists and all they need is a champion in the workforce. It does not require a ton of accommodation to And I'll back this up a second. So I am sure that we'll say 10% of the people that listen to this interview are smokers, right? So that employer has to make accommodations every day for that smoker's habit Hmm. because that smoker has to leave the office to go outside for a five-minute, I don't know, I don't smoke, so I don't know how long it takes to smoke a cigarette, but out you go, probably totaling 15 minutes for a smoke break on top of their government-required lunch and whatever, whatever, whatever. And so what if you smoke five cigarettes a day? Mm-hmm. Right? So what's that, 75? That's an hour and a half that your employer has to accommodate for your addiction. Your eyebrows. Yeah. See if you can see his eyebrows. <laughs> it'd be awesome because he's getting it. And so sometimes an accommodation for somebody on the spectrum can be as simple as allowing them to wear a pair of earbuds. That's mm, it.
0: Noise distraction. Noise
1: distraction. Noise canceling. Whatever. I have ADD, so I get distracted very easily. So I have put tools in place myself to accommodate for that. Another accommodation can be as simple as if you need to give somebody instructions that you you absolutely can do it verbally, but follow up with an email just reiterating in writing that this is what we discussed, this is what I need you to do. Another accommodation could be something as simple as instead of a 15-minute smoke break, I need to go and have like a 15-minute walk mm-hmm. to just... Decompress. decompress work out the woods and and off you go
2: they're not huge no and most of the success i've seen with um, employers is employers are looking because they have children young young children on the spectrum and they're going will my child be able to grow up and be successful as an adult on the spectrum so you they will purposely hire people on the spectrum to see how they fit into the system mm-hmm. they also ha- get hire people to be their employment coach The employment coach is not there to stand and teach them their job. The employment coach is there to say, this person has autism, they need this accommodation. We talk to the employer to make sure the employer understands how best to communicate with the the person on the spectrum, how best to interact with them, how best to manage all their work issues that they might have. The job coach is not there to teach any employment skills. The Mm -hmm. job coach is to teach people how to successfully hire and maintain the hiring of a person on the spectrum
1: and it does and I mean that so my absolutely what, what I'm trying very hard not to have happen is for employers to think that this is a great big hairy problem it is not a great big hairy problem and I had a so I had a situation when my son was in grade six we had to make a decision around what his next steps would be for education Because his school ended at grade six and we either had to transition him to like a middle school of seven, eight, or we had to choose to transition him to a self-contained classroom program. I promise this comes back to this. And I had to jump through hoops to get him into the self-contained. Because, again, we're dealing with multiple diagnoses, right? So this guy with Asperger's also has dyslexia, ADD. He's got what's called hyperacuity, which is excessively good hearing. So I had to go in front of a panel. Of people to convince them that this was the good suggestion and the good plan for my son so the principal spoke the special resource person spoke because if you have a kid on the spectrum you're gonna have an education team I hope somehow and they said so mrs. Plouffe do you have anything you add like you don't know me (laughs) because that shouldn't even be a question for you and I said you remember that first day of work when you walk into the office and you're a little nervous and you're not sure who to talk to, you're not sure how to speak to some people, you're not sure what the social mores are, you're not sure how to dress, like there's all these little unknowns that you have to navigate in that first week. But over a course of a couple of weeks, you pick it up. You know that Nancy does not like you to say good morning to her right away because she hasn't, if you don't see a coffee cup on Nancy's desk, then she's like no bueno for about half an hour. You know that during a meeting, Bob likes to do the introduction first. You know that Cindy brings in donuts on Fridays. You pick up all those things. But what happens when that first day is your every day? When that first day of uncertainty, that first day of not being able to pick up the clues and the cues and the whatevers, just doesn't come naturally for you. All you need is something that we all, I hope, get in this life, which is a mentor or an advocate to say hey let me give you a hand everybody in most companies is assigned a person to help you navigate that first couple of days it's usually a part of an onboarding package you usually get you know your laptop your cell phone and this is Judy and if you have any questions ask her that's all we're asking for we need a Judy mm-hmm. And Judy can either come in the form of amazing people like Paulette who are passionate about helping people get jobs or it can come in the form of somebody on the work team who understands that, you know, Joe might need a little extra something something some days and Joe might need to come to Judy and say, you know what, like I was around the water cooler the other day and somebody said something and I'm not quite sure if they were serious or not and should I act. And my son had that happen at work. He works at Dollarama at Appleby uh, Mall area. And one of the employees joked about stealing batteries or something. Like, it was just an off-the-cuff, because batteries are one of the most stolen things. In, mm. in, in Weird, but true. And Thomas didn't know what to do. And he actually went to his manager and said, So, by the way, like, this was said, I, uh, you know, in a... So the, the employee ended up apologizing to Thomas and saying, you know what, you're right. Like, that wasn't funny. And I can understand why you would think you did the right thing. And I told him he did the right thing as well. But that's, part of that was because of his autism. And part of that was it's his first job. And he wasn't sure what to do. And thank God he's got somebody who's advocating and working with him. Mm-hmm. to help him navigate
0: those things. So uh, w- once uh, this person with autism uh, is able to navigate the interview process and, and get the job mm-hmm. um, and acquire this position, on a day-to-day basis, do they experience any challenges? Is there any, any challenges that the employer faces working with this person? And is, is, is there any challenge that this person is facing doing his day-to-day job okay. duties?
1: So not from there, so I'm going to turn this over to Paulette in a second, but not with the essential skill set required to do the job. Mm -hmm. So that's, if you get hired for the job, it's because you have the skills and education to do it. Okay. Okay. So that's
2: never in question. Mm -hmm. I'm now going to hand it over to Paulette because this is where she... And and this, again, is very clear. They can do the task, they can do the work, they can do it with extreme accuracy, with great attention to detail. Mm -hmm. What they can't do with extreme accuracy and attention to detail is have a conversation with their co-workers. Mm. Hang out with their co-workers at lunch. Mm. No when is a good time or a bad time to speak to your boss because your boss might be having a bad day and you shouldn't speak to him that day. Oh. So that's where the challenges lie. I had, I've had i had managers say, we're all talking about the hockey game last night. We're all sitting around at the coffee table having a good conversation. And he's off on another table. He's not talking to us. Why isn't he talking to us? Mm. Well, he doesn't like hockey. doesn't like hockey. He doesn't know how to participate in a conversation. He has nothing to say, so why should he sit there at the table with you? Mm. Right? Which is actually kind of how I think, because I don't know anything about hockey either, so I'd be like, yeah,
1: enjoy
0: it.
2: <laughs> so it's more of the interpersonal skills that they have challenges with. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, again, understanding that just because I'm not saying anything, it's not because I don't like you, and it's not because I'm rude. It's because I don't know how to communicate within this conversation. Or I literally have nothing to say. I had nothing to say, yeah.
0: So I guess I guess the colleagues of that individual can take offense Mm -hmm. because this person is distant, Mm -hmm. not fully participating in the team bonding activities or get togethers. Like they might think, okay, this person Standoffish or whatever. Yeah, like maybe he thinks he's better than us. He's too good to hang out with us or like perceptions can come into play, right?
1: Well, the interesting thing—I don't know if you know who Brene Brown Mm is—but she's um, so she's a huge expert in shame and vulnerability, and she's like a PhD researcher and what have you. She just happens to be a kick-ass woman. I just enjoy her because she cusses and she's very straightforward. And she talks about the stories we tell ourselves, and how ninety-five percent of the time those stories are completely false. And that's usually what happens: Mm. is that you're in the workplace. And you make up this story about this person sitting at the other table, not talking to you about hockey, and you assign all these attributes and all these reasons that have nothing to do with reality, which could all be solved with a simple, hey, Jessica, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Do you like hockey? And when Jessica says, no, I'm not a fan... Okay, well now you have the reality of why she's not joining in the conversation, not the story you're telling yourself.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: And it's interesting, too, because uh, one of the gentlemen I worked with, he's the one that didn't sit in the conversations about hockey, but he was an avid bike rider, and he had a collection of bikes, very exquisite bikes. And if you wanted to talk to him about bikes, (laughs) he could talk for hours. That's like me in Marvel movies. (laughs) He had a special bike that he would fold up and put under his office desk. And when I came to the office and he said, the bike's here, do you want to see it? And he had to pull it out show me how he unfolds it to a bike and then puts it back under his desk. He was in heaven. He could talk for hours. Right? Yeah. But again, extremely good at his job, but he's Mm. not going to talk sports.
1: And he wouldn't know. So my son suffers from this as well. My son's a very talented snowboarder and he's a very talented artist. And he's actually quite funny. I mean, sometimes inappropriately. So, but snowboarding is something that a lot of people can relate to on some level. What I've discovered with him and with other people in the autism community is that they fail to recognize the value of their interest as a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? So, or it may be, do you like bikes? Me too. Me <coughs> too. And off they go in like a 20-minute monologue on on their bikes. Yeah. So it's it's the workplace needs to ask more questions. The workplace needs to stop telling themselves stories about why people are behaving a certain way. And you made a really valid point yesterday when we were chatting about mental health. And and you asked about mental health in the workplace, which is incredibly important for everybody right, regardless of diagnosis or no diagnosis. And when a workplace tells themselves stories about how an employee is behaving or why they might be behaving that way, not only do they fail to accommodate or understand that mental health might be uh, a factor, mm-hmm. they also contribute to negative mental health. And that's for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So. I'm very chatty, very outgoing, but there are moments where I am very introverted and I need to back away and I need to like, so if I've been at a conference for an example all day, I run um, with a team, Spark the Change Toronto, and that sucker goes for 10 hours. At the end of the day, the rest of the team can go to a bar and go woohoo and raise a glass and do whatever. I'm like, nope, I need half an hour to an hour to just go and recharge my batteries and have no noise and whatever. So initially, the story they were telling themselves was, "Oh, she, you know, she's antisocial, or she's, you know, or whatever," because it was a complete disconnect from other behavior. And so I had to explain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mental health in the workplace also needs advocacy.
0: That's true. Um, do you think? The people who have autism or Asperger's are they able to, with coaching are they able to master the social skills that is needed for them being able to function in the society or workplace I think uh, master.
2: master is a strong word but. master is a very strong word because there's a lot of neurotypical people who have not met yeah. <laughs> but you
1: can't see me raising my hand but,
2: but at the same time As Elizabeth said earlier, when you've met one person with autism, you've only met one person. So every single person with autism is different. I've worked with people with autism who have the most amazing social skills. Mm. They can interact no problem whatsoever at work, but they don't have any life outside of work. Because they know the context of the work conversations and what they have to do. Mm. I've worked with other people who have amazing social lives, but don't talk at work. Mm-hmm. Everyone is unique and different. Everyone has different strengths and different skills. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can master. Yes, they can learn. Just like you've learned your social skills. Just like Elizabeth's trying to learn her social skills. <laughs> That's fair, <laughs> right? Um, these are things that everybody can learn. Okay. It's just a matter of putting the time in, yeah, to meet your goals and
1: balance. That's yeah. one huge, yeah. And sometimes when you've talked all day at work, mm-hmm. you just got nothing left yeah. to give in, a, in another social situation so you made a really good point at the beginning of the conversation about participating in team building activities and, and all that kind of stuff and a lot of that can take place after hours mm-hmm. I don't know about you but when I was an employee kind of the last thing I wanted to do at the end of the day was go spend more time <laughs> with people that I had spent all day working with so imagine having a social skills challenge and imagine having a, a An energy challenge if you will and your organization keeps choosing these loud boisterous team-building activities Mm. and that's not your bag on a good day and now you've had to spend all day working and keeping everything straight in your head and remembering how to respond to Susie and Bill and Bob and everybody and now you want me to go be even more social like that's a bit crazy pants
0: yeah um, You're having the, lots of aha moments. <laughs> <you>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I guess I'm learning a lot about <laughs> about mental health. Um, but from an employer's perspective, I guess they, they can create a culture of accommodating people who have mental health challenges because it's a nice or good thing to do. But is, mm-hmm. there, is there a business case for them? Yeah, never to... do it
2: because it's nice or good. No, you do it <laughs> because the person has the skill set to do the job yeah and and will deliver they will deliver above and beyond Mm -hmm. and just because they need those 15 minutes to calm their brain and relax Mm refocus refocus is not a big deal there's office towers in the downtown toronto where they have sensory rooms or quiet rooms for their adult staff Mm -hmm. to go into to recharge that's what every office needs Mm -hmm. because everybody needs those rooms not just people with mental health issues And those are culturally
1: accommodating as well. Yes. Right? So if you have somebody... So here... Well, here's a primo example. So we are lucky in Canada to have a very multicultural society. And I was speaking to somebody um, in Tech Place who's Muslim and needs to pray a certain number of times a day. When Tech Place was built, there's no room for her to do that. So that quiet room can become way more inclusive than just an opportunity for somebody to go and collect themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right so if if an organization has an issue around you know I'm rolling my eyes um, about creating a quiet room then just call it an acceptance room calling like, whatever term makes you yeah. happy mm-hmm. but it gives everybody in your workforce an opportunity to connect with themselves be it spiritually through prayer, be it through just an opportunity to meditate, be it through an opportunity, I don't care, go play Tetris for 10 minutes. Like, if that's what gets your brain going, shh, knock yourself out. You just don't want to be seen playing Tetris at your work desk because that might be
2: frowned upon. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when when do you think your, your online platform will be ready uh, for people to use?
1: So we have our MVP discussion on Friday, so we've been developing the minimum viable product for the platform, Um, so I'll know more I will know more on Friday. So what we're doing right now is a number of different things. So we're in the process of creating the e-learnings and we're going to be offering those to the autism community throughout Halton, so anybody can come um, free. Um, It's an opportunity for us to take what we think are important issues, present them to people who are experiencing them. and include them in the development process of Nanoworks, because that's critical for me uh, and for Paulette, that the autism community is involved in the development of Nanoworks, that it's their feedback driving the development, not only of the e-learning modules, but we will be hiring people on the autism spectrum to beta test um, certain aspects of it, because I can think it's a good idea. I don't have autism as far as I'm aware. It could suck for somebody on the spectrum to use it and then it's it's useless so we're going to be rolling that out in the next couple of months we're also now working with silicon halton on an organization called the artistics collective and that's specifically focused on members of the autism community who are creatively inclined um, so we have an event coming out january 24th uh, and 26th um, with silicon halton or with chris herbert from silicon halton That's going to offer an art workshop with Dave Beresford, who is a member of Autism Job Club and a successful creative entrepreneur. Uh, We've also got a couple more things in the work about, you know, helping employment coaches who want to come in and, and help the autism community. So we're going to be creating a Autism Employment Coach program that people who are already qualified to be an employment coach can gain the, the experience and credentials they need to help people on the spectrum, because there's a huge shortage. Um, and then I was fortunate, or Paulette and I were fortunate to go to Calgary and visit the University of Calgary. Uh, the Sineve Foundation out there has created what they're calling an Ability Hub. And it is an autism-specific incubator. So Imagine Tech Place, mm-hmm. built specifically for people on the spectrum. So low light, low noise, Autism programs available, what have you. Uh, We're currently working with an organization called Auticon who hire, they they are an employment agency Mm -hmm. um, for data and software creation um, and they hire people on the spectrum to fulfill those roles. Uh, So we're working with a a multitude of organizations in the hopes and in the plan that Nanoworks is as autism friendly um, and autism developed as possible. I want as many people to try it as possible. It will be uh, a fee-based platform. I listened to your interview with Kiddicted, Um mm-hmm. And ideally, it would be a very nominal cost for people on the spectrum to use the platform per month. Part of that is when people have access to a free tool, they don't take it as seriously. And getting a job is a serious issue you have to be willing to commit the time, you have to be willing to commit the effort. Um, And then ideally, we will be having employment coaches, uh, a directory, we will have an opportunity to create a different directory so that people who are registered on the platform will have a resume profile and employers will be able to come and search um, and hopefully hire, that's the ultimate goal. Awesome. I hope so. Well, we've uh, gone way over your 20 minutes. So. <laughs> I did warn you.
0: Well, um, Elizabeth and Paulette, it's been very nice uh, speaking with you and uh, learning about your background and also uh, spiritual careers. Uh, so, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Thank,
1: thank you, you very much. This was thank awesome. I really appreciate
2: Perfect. it. She's very calm now. <laughs> I've been monitoring my heart rate the whole
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to share your website.
1: Oh, uh, so you can visit spiritcareerscanada.ca, or you can also visit nanoworks.ca it takes you to the same place. Um, and we've got some information up there about what's coming.
0: Perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this uh, particular episode and you had a chance to learn about I hope you're uh, still listening. <laughs> mental health. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.